Alright, it's episode 5. I am incredibly excited to be here because this is probably the most busy I'll be on a podcast all year long. We have some huge trades that went down in the last uh, 24 hours. We've got an all-star game to recap. And then we've got some statements that the commissioner of baseball released that I think a lot of people are not too happy about. And then we also have um, some more trade news from the MLB and possibly Jimmy Garoppolo news. I mean, it's been a crazy last uh, couple hours in sports. I did not watch the 2018 ESPYs last night, so I don't have anything to really comment on that. But I got to say, just starting off right away, this Raptors and Spurs trade is so messed up in so many ways. And I'll start with the Raptors side of it. So they get Kawhi Leonard, uh, but they're giving up DeMar DeRozan. That's kind of the big mover and shaker in the deal is DeMar DeRozan. And this just proves to you that loyalty means nothing in the game. Owners always will expect a player, oh, you know, you need to be loyal, right? We hear this in every sport. Oh, why isn't he re-signing with us? Blah, blah, blah. But the minute that an owner promises loyalty to a player, I feel like the player is traded. Like, DeMar Rosen is huge for the city of Toronto. He was. He deserves his number and his last name put on a banner and raised immediately. Um, and obviously that can't happen, but I'm just saying that he was so loyal to the city. He gave the city so many great years. And apparently all that goes out the window the minute that Kawhi Leonard becomes available. And on the Spurs end of things, Popovich is a snake. You know, he just wants to get rid of him and he exiles him to a completely different country. I mean, he's, he didn't just send him to the Eastern Conference. He sent him all the way to Canada, you know, and that's not a little thing either. And Kawhi Leonard has already expressed that he has zero interest to play for Toronto this year. I see both sides of this. Like, Kawhi, you are a privileged player. Like, you should play for Toronto. Because what's that going to do to your value? What's that going to do to your stock? What are you going to do for a year? But at the same time, I see where Kawhi is like, hey, I never, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be here. I didn't choose this place. So I see both sides. I think the trade is messy. I can't believe you, as the Raptors, though, would trade the guy who is so incredibly loyal to your organization, and you would just trade him away for, you know, another guy who doesn't want to play for you isn't passionate, there's no way you could win over his heart, like, this isn't a Paul George situation, like, in Oklahoma City, like, yeah, Paul George kind of indirectly said he wanted to play in LA, right, like, it was a dream or whatever, but Paul George, you always felt, had the chance to go, okay, I'm gonna go to 
oh, back to OKC. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over there, you know? With Kawhi Leonard, you pretty much know it's the Clippers or the Lakers, and it's probably the Lakers. Like, there's no debating where Kawhi wanted to be, and that's why it shocked me, to be honest with you, that they even made this deal. Why would you make this deal knowing that he probably wasn't going to play for you? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And to be quite honest with you, I'm a little bit shocked by Raptors' upper management. Unless there's something that we don't know about DeRozan, like he was getting in fights with teammates, stuff like that, but I don't see that happening. He's not that kind of guy. So I'm a little bit shocked. I'm really, really shocked that this is what's happened either way it is a groundbreaking move for the NBA because now it most definitely rules out the Lakers getting Kawhi this season Kawhi could get traded you know next season or uh, not traded uh, sign as a free agent next uh, this offseason which I'm sure he will but the trade, again, it's mind-boggling, it's mind-blowing, and I am really, really shocked that the Raptors would have the, uh, the audacity to send away arguably their most important player in franchise history in DeMar DeRozan. Also, Machado, the deal's done. As I said, I thought the Dodgers... I said this in an interview with Audie a couple weeks ago that I thought the Dodgers would be desperate. Arguably, their biggest problem was losing Seager for the season. He's kind of their biggest impact. So I said, the Dodgers will go out, they'll overpay for Machado, and that is exactly what they did. They gave up a five-player prospect package that's a tongue twister, for Manny Machado last night. The deal was pretty much set in stone for a couple of days. They just made it official last night. Manny Machado heading to Hollywood. It is headlined by Diaz, who is a top 20 prospect for the Dodgers. And I'm a little bit shocked that the Dodgers would give up this package. Now, it's not that these players are amazing, but these are prospects nonetheless for a two-month rental. And take it from the guy who's seen a lot of rentals. I saw Johnny Cueto with the Royals. I saw Zach Grinke with the Angels. This is going to be no different. Manny Machado is not going to re-sign with the Dodgers. And the only way the Dodgers can win this trade is A, if he re-signs with them, or B, if they win the World Series this year, which, I mean, that's entirely possible. But it's a weak National League. They've been streaky. You know, they're here and there. Like, this is not a team that I'm really, if I'm an American League team, I'm not really scared of. 
Boston's way better. Yankees are better. The Astros, we already know, are better. And again, it depends on, of course, when they get hot. If the Dodgers just go on a absolute tear the second half of the season, then so be it. But I feel like where the Dodgers went wrong on this trade is you just bite the bullet for this season. You say, hey, you know what? We'll chance it with this core, but I'm not going to give up five top prospects for this guy. And they did it. They did it anyways. When they really should have bit the bullet. Because they have a lot, they, they, they have a deep system. Like, let's not forget, they have a really, really good system. But five prospects for one guy who is probably only going to be there for two months. And as a Dodgers fan, you're going to be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. They barely traded anyone, blah, blah, blah. The Angels have done this several times. They grab a guy, and you want to know who they've given up in the past? Randall Gritchick, Gene Segura, guys of very notable value. Guys that, oh, they're just a throw-in. They're not just throw-ins. Like, these are good players. Every prospect is a good player. Trust me. Every one of those five guys the Dodgers just sent to the Orioles has a good shot of cracking the Orioles roster within the next two to three years. And that is one thing that I don't like from the Dodgers' perspective of the trade. Anyways, another huge trade that went down this morning was the Indians shipped out top 15 MLB prospect catcher Francisco Mejia in exchange for reliever Brad Hand. They also got another piece, but it's pretty insignificant to the trade. Hand is kind of the big one. And that's huge. That is a huge trade because the Indians need bullpen help. And I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, you know, why would you trade away Mejia? This is why you would trade away Mejia. You have a short window to win. You don't need catchers right now, and he's probably ready to be called up. And you need a reliever. Andrew Miller can't do it all. You need a righty in there. Brad Hand is a dominant all-star reliever. There is a reason why he's been to -to back-to-back all-star games the last two seasons. Because he's that good. So in my opinion, the Indians don't lose this trade. They don't win it either. It's a neutral trade. Both teams are getting what they want. The Padres, amidst their rebuild, are getting a fantastic catcher for what is an insane value. I mean, you don't see top 20 MLB prospects getting moved for a reliever. That just doesn't happen. Usually it's like a single A guy who's never going to be anything. So I don't think either team loses this. I mean, it's going to depend on, you know, how far do the Indians go? How long does Brad Hand stay in Cleveland? Uh, what, what does Mejia do? It's all going to be dependent on that stuff. But I feel like right now, 
at the moment, this trade is really, really neutral. And while on paper, this doesn't seem like a bad trade for the Indians now, people are probably going to say, oh, the Indians lost this trade because in a couple of years when Mejia is absolutely killing it, you know, number one catcher in the league, he's been to several all-star games, it's going to look like the Indians are stupid, you know, whatever. I don't think the Indians care about that. I really don't. But my case in point here is you can get value out of relievers. If you are a rebuilding team, maybe you're the Marlins, teams like that who maybe don't have a lot of great players on the roster right now, you can go get value. Go get top, top prospects. And there's going to be a lot of people like, oh, top prospects don't work. The Marlins already got a top prospect in the Yelich trade. Lewis Brinson, he's not working out. You're right, he's not. But those are the, the risks that you run getting top prospects. That's it, bottom line. I mean, prospects are what they are. They're not proven big leaguers. And sometimes you would rather have proven big leaguers. But with proven big leaguers, there is a floor. With prospects, we only see the ceiling. That's why this trade seems so lopsided at the moment, I would say, in the Padres' favor. Because... No one's really ever watched prospects play. Like, how many MLB fans do you actually think have watched Francisco Mejia play? Like, on a daily basis, how many? Probably like 2%. So, right now, people are only hearing and seeing the ceiling for Francisco Mejia. You want to know what people see for Brad Hand? The floor. The floor is... Brad Hand's a good reliever for a decent amount of time. The ceiling for Mejia is, oh, he's going to be an all-star. He's going to be this nice catcher. He's going to be Yadier Molina. That's what people see. People don't have dirt on you when you're a prospect. People have dirt on you when you're an MLB player because we see everything that happens in the MLB Every day. We watch highlights. We see this. We see that. You don't see the dirt on minor league players. Like, we, you know what? I, and this is a perfect example. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We only see him hitting home runs off tees. Or him hitting one off the ground. And it goes like 150 feet. You know, we, we don't see him striking out three times in a game. We don't see him making a fielding error. That's the dirt big leaguers have on them. And that's the difference between a prospect and an MLB player. But speaking about all-stars, Brad Hand, I want to talk about the all-star game because I think Tuesday night was at least while I've been alive, the most entertaining All-Star game I have watched. And this is what we need to do with baseball. And albeit, it was a star-studded game. It had stars left and right. 
But this is what you need from baseball. If you're not going to implement a pitch clock or something that speeds up the game, then we need offense. There There was no shifting in the game, and people were getting hits left and right. There was no shortage of offense, really. People were being interviewed during the game, which I think that's how it should be. At the end of the day, my goal here is you need to make Game 7 of the World Series just as entertaining, if not more entertaining than the Tuesday night game with the Pirates and the Reds. You know what I mean? You need to have both almost equally as entertaining because that's what makes football so special. The Super Bowl is almost as fun to watch as the NFC Championship game, as the Divisional Round game, and those games are just as fun to watch as Week 14 Bears and Packers. You know what I mean? So... The MLB needs to find a common resolution. They need to find something that allows the game to be super duper entertaining. Two things I'll say right now. You need offense and you need to improve pace of play. And this is just a suggestion. I'm fine with catchers going out there, talking to the reliever, once they get yanked, you know, you and the, the pitcher and the catcher need to get on the same exact page. But how about we eliminate the warm-up pitches? We don't need a commercial break there. That's just elongating the game. You've already been throwing warm-up pitches to your bullpen catcher. Now, if someone gets hurt or something, it's a short notice. you got to get the guy a little more loose. So be it. Why do we need to get a guy loose eight more pitches before he comes into a game? Eliminate that. I hate that. I think it elongates the game. It's boring. The guys are ready to go. Like, let's just get this thing kicked off. And if you don't like that idea, then why don't we eliminate, you know, the, the warm-up pitches and, and ground balls or and, you know, playing catch between innings? Why don't we just, you know, first inning, you throw your warm-up pitches, now you're loose. You're loose for the rest of the game. Let's go. You have to do something to speed up the game somehow. Also, I want to point out that last season, as an MLB fan, a lot of us loved watching the World Series. There was a lot of home runs. There was a lot of action. And there was great pitching in that game, too. I don't believe, I don't buy that baseballs were not juiced last year. You don't just get power numbers like you did last year. There was something up with the baseballs. Leave them that way. I don't care. Juice them. Do something. This isn't about people's numbers. This is about reviving a sport. Baseball is a dying art that needs to be revived. We need kids to love the game. The quickest way for a sport to grow is through kids. You need people talking about it in elementary schools, in junior highs, and in high schools. 
I don't care about what their parents think. Their parents are here and gone. The kids, when you can spread that message, word will get around. Perfect example. If you don't believe me, what do kids mostly talk about during football season? Hey, what's your fantasy team doing? What's this? What did you think of the game? Hey, did you see the Thursday night game? Did you see the Monday night game? Perfect example. Hey, uh, did you see LeBron sign to the Lakers? What did you think of last night's game when J.R. Smith accidentally didn't see the, the clock in game one of the finals? You know, so people talk about basketball. People talk about football. People don't really talk about baseball. People don't say, hey, did you see Mike Trout's home run last night? Did you see Harper break his bat and go yard? People don't talk about that stuff. Also, I want to say that the MLB struggles big time with marketing. They, as a league, do not market their stars as well as the NFL or as well as the NBA. Commissioner Manfred was in an interview the other day, and he basically said that Mike Trout needs to do more for the league. He's a bad ambassador. He doesn't do a lot for his public figure. He's not very popular. And this sent a lot of people haywire. This got a lot of people talking. It made news. I mean, he was trending everywhere. And this got a lot of backlash for Commissioner Manfred, as he should have received You do not call the MLB's number one marketing tool a bad ambassador for the game. All you have to do is use his name and you get people hooked. Right? Like, I bet you more people tune in to Angels Sunday night games than they do for Nationals. Why? Trout is better than Harper. People want to watch him. And in fact, the Angels and Dodgers Sunday night baseball game broke records. Six million viewers watching. That's a record for Sunday night baseball. Why? Mike Trout and, of course, the Dodgers, but East Coast people watching Mike Trout, West Coast people... And then, of course, you know, Dodgers fans contribute as well. I'm just saying, though, the easiest way to market Mike Trout, you just put him on things. Put him on commercials. Just use his name. That's the easiest way. He's already the best player. There's not much else you can do. Harper and Judge, I've seen them in commercials. You don't see Trout in commercials. His brands he wears, he uses, that he's sponsored by are not flashy. I've never seen a Body Armor commercial. I've seen Nike commercials. Mike Trout's in one commercial and he's in it for like two seconds. And he didn't even have to leave the field. He's playing catch with a kid for a commercial. for I think it was like MLB Network or something. He didn't even have to leave the stadium. 
And how many people in the general public have actually seen this commercial? Probably like, like less than half the people who actually care. Commissioner Manfred is an idiot for coming after his best marketing tool, saying that he is not doing himself a good service by not putting himself out there. Mike Trout is a rare specimen. He takes time before games to sign for any fan. Home or away, he signs. He likes to spend time with family. He likes to spend time with friends. He lives a private life. He doesn't post a lot on his Instagram. He doesn't care about his popularity or his fame. That is a rare species we don't often see. It is rare to see Mike Trout do something that is popular. He is a simple, subtle, humble guy. Doesn't want much stuff. Just a simple living man. And this was a huge issue. The Angels released a statement basically backing Mike Trout. And then Mike Trout released a statement of his own. I mean, it was drama. This is the most drama that I think we've seen from Mike Trout and crew. That's all I wanted to comment on that situation. Basically, point of the story is, Manfred, you are an idiot for coming at your best marketing piece. Now we're moving on, and I want to talk about something that should never have caught news, but basically... KD, Draymond Green, and LeBron James all shared dinner in LA last night, and people were going crazy. Oh my god, you know, LeBron wants to join the Warriors, oh my god, KD wants to join the Lakers, blah blah blah. I mean, I heard it all. They can't just enjoy dinner in LA as friends. I mean, this story is so stupid that we're even talking about it right now. Why are we talking about Three guys who are friends as if they're always in competitor mode. Oh my god, these three guys, how are they friends? Oh my god, these three guys, they want to go play with each other, blah, blah, blah. They're not, they don't want to play for each other. Katie's happy up there. I mean, maybe Draymond, but Draymond probably wouldn't want to come to a loaded forward team anyways. It doesn't make sense to me. Why are we talking about this? This makes zero sense. It should not have made headlines. Katie, LeBron, great businessmen. Maybe they're talking about business. Maybe Draymond needs a lesson on business. Maybe they're just trying to get together and enjoy life. I think we are over-dramatizing this situation. It's not that big of a deal. It's three multimillionaires coming together enjoying a fancy dinner together in LA. LeBron's already had a couple of those, by the way, since he's been back in Los Angeles. If you didn't hear, he was with Leonardo DiCaprio a couple nights ago. This is no different. Just because these are three guys pretty much on the top part of the pyramid in the basketball hierarchy doesn't mean that it's any different. If he was still a free agent, sure. I could see your concern with this. 
He's not. So I don't understand the hype and the drama around this. That's it. Anyways, that's it. Episode 6 in the books. I know at the beginning of the episode, I said episode 5. That's an error. That's a mistake. It starts getting uh, hard to track these after you do so many, but I do hope you guys enjoyed the episode. As always, please leave me a rating. It would be much appreciated. Would really, really appreciate the rating. So thank you guys so much and peace out.